but it just, I suppose it opened my mind in, in a way that nothing had before to possibility that you can be, do and have whatever you want, really. That's Julie Silverberg, coaching psychologist, NLP master practitioner and trainer, competitive sailor and positive person. She started her career as a chartered physiotherapist and then became curious about why some patients healed faster than others. Her research led her to the knowledge that how you think affects how you heal and ultimately to NLP or neuro-linguistic programming to give it its full title. Lean in on this one. As a past student of Julie's, we dig a little deeper on all that is NLP. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. I want to introduce you to the idea of your mind. There you go. And I'm introducing you to the lovely Julie Silverberg, who I actually worked with around 2007 when I started studying neurolinguistic programming. And Julie describes herself as the person someone calls when there's something between them and their goal, even if they don't know what it is yet. That's a really good way to start. Hey, Julie, welcome. <laughs> Hi, Finola. How are you? Yeah, really good. Yeah. Isn't it a long time ago since we worked together? <laughs> I know it's extraordinary. And the time has just gone. Poof. Yeah. It was a powerful thing. Um, you did a program about teaching people about how to be a practitioner in neurolinguistic programming. And we can talk about that. But I'd first like to start with your journey to NLP and success partners. It's a really interesting story of your own journey as an entrepreneur. And I, I think that you've a lot to share with us from your expertise, but also even from your journey. And you started out, what, which is interesting because I speak a lot to people about how they pivot in their entrepreneurial journey or how they bring parts of themselves from previous lives into what they do now. And you're a really great example of that because you started as a chartered physiotherapist. Can you tell us about that? Well, well, that's that's so true. And as, as I was thinking about today, I remembered sort of my first, the first time I thought that I had a choice in my life about what I could do because I was in boarding school with no day pupils. So it was a very restricted environment when I think about it. Yeah. And in religious class, which I wasn't really very into, but one yeah. day they talked about existentialism. And I okay. thought, isn't that amazing? I have yeah. a choice. It doesn't have to be preordained and I don't have to wait till the end to be happy. And I thought, isn't that just brilliant? I love that. You don't have to wait until the end to be happy because <laughs> too many people do this. Too many of us have done this. 
Mm. And in many ways, it was what we were educated into here in Ireland at the time. Yeah. Hopefully it's different now. I think so. You know, this idea of choice, but carry on, carry on with your story. Anyway, as you were saying, I, I was I was a chartered physiotherapist and um, I had a private practice in Cork and yeah. most of my clients or patients, as they were called in those days, um, yeah. were either sports people or they had either had an accident and were suffering from bad pains in their backs and their necks or, you know, or for some other reason they had it. Yeah. But one of the things that really fascinated me was that the sports people had such a motivation to get up and do any exercises that I recommended or go through whatever I suggested. And they were just totally motivated, couldn't wait to get back out onto the pitch. And they healed in the time, the expected time frame that it would take to heal, whether it was a broken bone, a pulled muscle, whatever it was. And then there were the people with the pains in their neck or their back. And Sometimes, obviously not always, but sometimes some people just didn't really heal. Their pain remained. And I became really curious about this because I thought, you know, the body heals. That's its job. Yeah. Most of the time. Obviously, there are situations when it doesn't um, and it kind of goes out of whack. But that's we'll park that because what we're talking about is physiotherapy and muscles and bones. Yeah. And in theory, they heal according to a certain time frame. Okay. And so how was it that people weren't healing and were succeeding in remaining in pain? Yeah. And I just got more and more curious about this. And I noticed that people who had ongoing pain tended to have more stress in their lives, whether it was because they were overworked or they had relationship issues, or there was um, something in their life that was causing them stress, or they were choosing, I know it's an awful thing to say, choosing to be stressed. It's a really good point. I mean, I'd normally let you continue because I know what you mean by that. Uh Because we think we don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Will we come back to that? Because I know it's going to be revealed shortly. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> well, you're doing the revealing now. So. <laughs> well, it's the idea of NLP and everything. So I, I, I like where your story is going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I, I just became really curious as to how, what was it about these two different groups of people who healed in such different ways or didn't heal, as the case may be. And uh, so I started reading psychology books and counselling. Well, it was mostly counselling books because there weren't really that ma- there wasn't really that much in positive psychology at this time because it was the 1980s. So mm. um, it's, it's a long time ago now. And yeah. things happily have moved on incredibly in that period of time. Mm. And um, anyway, I suppose that's, that's how I became in- interested in the whole psychological side of things. Um, and there was another time I had worked in Waterford Glass <laughs> many years ago as a physio. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, my main role there was to get the workers back to work. Yeah. Because they'd arrive in on a Monday morning and not be feeling very well. Yeah. <laughs> after the weekend. 
<laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. <laughs> but I liked this idea that you started to realise that it was how you think affects how you heal. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a conscious thought, though. Mm. It's unconscious. Yeah. And and if you think about if, for example, somebody has been in a car accident and they have um, solicitors and all the rest of it, the solicitors may, without intention, be giving unconscious messages about the benefit of being in pain from the yeah. point of view of the kind of financial remuneration there might be. Again, yeah. I know nowadays things have changed a lot because there's there's a lot of change in the way in which insurance and accidents and all the rest of it are dealt with. And I'm sure there's people saying, oh, for heaven's sake, that's an awful thing to say. But it was my perception of it at the time. And so that's all I can talk about is my perception of it. Yeah. And then you moved to Helsinki. And then, yes, because in the middle of all of that, I got divorced and um, then met happily met a new man, which, yes, love well, it. which is great. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> rushed off to Helsinki in a bubble of love. <laughs> yeah, why not? I love it. <laughs> but completely without much thought, I was yeah. I was in this little small bounded bubble. Yeah. Um, selling my physio practice to three yeah. colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> my poor great. PA was kind of she felt abandoned. Oh. and um, rushed off to Finland. I'd been there lots of times before, obviously, um, mm. because my husband was living, my then, my then boyfriend was living there. And, yeah. um, but I never really considered that they speak two languages in Finland. Yeah. Uh, and I don't speak yeah. any of them. Yeah. And so really, it was quite a shock when I landed there that sort of after the first month of being totally overwhelmed by everything, so much to learn, and it was the middle of winter, yeah. it was minus 30 degrees. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and sort of having realised that I've, I've sold my business, I have no independence yeah. anymore. And, you know, so many different things went on. And it was, I was very overwhelmed in the beginning. Um, yeah. But happily, you know, that all moved on. Yes. And but you shared with me, you went to some conferences or you started to learn more about positive psychology. And then you also started to move into teaching English to those people in that, Helsinki. That's right. Um, because having landed there and only speaking English, I thought, now what am I going to do? Yeah. So I studied to teach business English and yes. started business yes. and um, business number two, business number two. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's a really good message. Yeah. Um, called communication strategies at the time. Yeah. And I worked with a whole range of people, fascinating people in mm. in, in Finland from, you know, CEOs to to secretaries um, yeah. from, you know, banking to tech, high tech companies, all, all sorts of different things. It was absolutely amazing. And I, I felt very honoured to be, have this opportunity. But mm. one of the things that I noticed was it wasn't that they needed to learn to speak English, because actually, mm. on the whole, their English was actually quite good. Mm. But 
they were they didn't want to make a mistake, a grammatical mm. mistake. Yes. Um, and I I think us as English speakers are very tolerant of other people who speaking who speak English not as a first language, um, because there's such a huge variety of different Englishes. Whether you're talking yeah. American English, Irish English, British yeah. English, they're all and there's different different grammatical structures in them and so on. Whereas in Finland, because there's only five million people speak Finnish, um, they're not very tolerant of mistakes. Okay. <laughs> and so they wanted to be perfect. And yeah. so it, I saw it as my role to support their confidence in communicating their message effectively when yeah. they were abroad or when they were communicating. Because internally in the international companies, they spoke English, even yeah. though they were in Finland. Yeah. So it was about the ability to make sure their message was transmitted as effectively as possible and that they could be relaxed and comfortable while working. Yeah. And that's also how you think about things. Yeah. Yeah. But then, as you mentioned, um, I came across this conference in the summer university in Helsinki. It was two weeks of a conference and there were all kinds of different uh, speakers from Canada, America, Germany, all over the world. And it was sort of the start of the positive psychology movement, or certainly the start of it, to the best of my knowledge. What? How do you define positive psychology? We're hearing so much about positive psychology, neuroscience, NLP I've known about for years, as you know, but those two phrases, neuroscience and positive psychology, I'm just hearing all the time now. Well, I suppose the, neuro, the neuroscience side of it is, is to do with the study of how the brain works. Yeah. And looking at all of the electrical connections and so on and so forth that go on in the brain. Yeah. Um, and positive psychology, because a lot of psychology up until, I suppose sometime in the early, maybe the middle of the 80s, I can't, I'm not really quite sure when it started, was looking to the future. What could you do? What could you focus on now that enables you to have a better, more, more positive future? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the kind of future that you would like to have for yourself, rather than looking to the past and what are your problems? What's yes. stopping you having the future that you want and okay. focusing on, on the problem? So constructive as opposed to deconstructing the past. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's an interesting way to look at it. Hadn't thought of it like that, but I like that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and so anyway, so this conference and you discovered NLP. So that's right. Came across NLP and it was like about 5,000 flashbulbs went off in my head at the same time. <laughs> and I don't know if it was because it, it, it's some of the language in it is quite technical. Um, and because physio is quite a technical discipline. So I, I don't know if that was one of the reasons it resonated with me or it was that speakers were just amazing. Um, but it just, I suppose it opened my mind in, in a way that nothing had before to possibility. And that you can be, do and have whatever you want, really. 
And why this? Like, so we should explain what NLP is. It's neuro linguistic mm. programming. That's and right. I'll let you explain it. And then tell me why it went off, do you think? In my head. Yeah. Mm. But first, what it is. Yeah. Well, well, neuro, yeah, to, to break it down yeah. into the into the words that it, compri that it comprises. So there's neuro, which is all of your neurological connections in your body. So yeah. not only in your brain, but your brain has more connections in it than all of the grains of sands in the earth or all of the stars that are out there, which is, when you think yeah. about it, it's quite phenomenal yeah. that you have that many connections. And if you were to able to activate them all at the same time, I mean, <laughs> you would leave Einstein in the, in the happy place. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, we all have these connections. It's not only Einstein or the geniuses that are out there. We all have them. And how can we create the environment for us to have as many connections that, that deliver the results we want for us as easily as possible? Okay. So linguistic, so presuming the linguistic relates to language. Yeah. So language, language is a model. And NLP is a set of models, but language is a model. We don't really think about language as a model. But for example, if you think about in compare English language and Finnish, Finnish language, the models are very different because of the structure, the grammatical structures of them. Um, and so if you think about English as, as um, if you think, when you think about language, it's about the order that we put the words in. Mm. makes a difference to how we experience the world that we're in. Why? So if I say to you, the dog bit the man, you yeah. probably have a quick image flitting through your mind in a flash of what kind of a dog it is, where it bit the man, where the man is standing even, but mm. you've had this unconsciously in the blink of an eye. Mm. And you know, you say to yourself, okay, I have that picture. And then if I say to you, the man bit the dog, mm. the same words, but your experience is quite different, mm. isn't it? Yes. Mm. And a completely different picture in my head. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so how we use language and the language we use with others and the suggestions that we give consciously and unconsciously influence how other people think, but also how we think ourselves, because we talk to ourselves all the time. Yeah. And are you, are you giving yourself messages that are supporting you in achieving what you want to achieve? Or are you denigrating yourself, putting yourself down and making it more challenging for yourself to achieve what you want? I mean, we hear a lot about, you know, these feelings of not feeling good enough, of not being worthy. And uh, and so much talk about um, what do you call that phrase? It's imposter syndrome. Oh yeah. And that seems to me to be very much grounded in language uh, and self-talk. Mm -hmm. But there is a definite impression that it's passive. No, that's not the right word. That we don't necessarily have control over that, where NLP would say the exact opposite of that, which comes to the programming part of NLP. Mm -hmm. And and even your earlier comment about choice. Yeah. 
Can we talk about that a little bit now? Yeah, well, the, well again, as, as you mentioned, the programming element of it is the, the habits, the programs that we run. Like if you think about it, if you use the model of a computer, um, yeah. you run a program and you can update the program. You can get a virus in the program. Um, and, and so it's, it's the same. We can have a thought virus. You know, the I'm not good enough is a thought yeah. virus, if you like. Yeah. And so how I like can that you, phrase. how can you reframe that thought so that it's 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 something that you that you change it so that it's something that can support you? But sometimes, you know, when we hear about the language and affirmations and stuff, and there is but if you start with language that you fundamentally don't believe in in the first place to re- rewrite your program, mm-hmm. then it's not going to work, is it? No, it's not. You're absolutely right. You you mentioned something when we spoke before about a dis- the idea of goals and that if there's a disconnect between the logic and the heart, then it's harder to move forward because the logic and the heart or the emotion have to move forward forward together. They have to be saying yes to each other. Yeah. And I mean, some reading that I that I did some years ago was this idea of this continuum of 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 reality or acceptance of reframing that you can't start with. Maybe if you're in a situation where you can't pay the ESB bill, you can't, you're on the floor, everything's falling apart, your whole nothing is part of your life. You can't start with, I've just won the lottery or sorry, I've just uh, fell in love with the perfect partner. I have all the wishes and dreams from that place. I, I agree. And and if you're on the floor like that, one of the things is that you're in survival mode. Yeah. You're just trying to survive. You're just trying to get through the day to get to the next day. And a lot of the time in survival mode, you don't really have the wherewithal to be creative because you're in a bit of a tunnel. And yeah. um, when you're in that tunnel, you're being sucked down into it, really. And this doesn't sound very positive, I realize, but you mentioned being on the floor. And the only thing in that situation you can do is to say, if there was one change I could make, just yeah. one small change, is there one small thing I could do tomorrow that would start me on a journey towards the best journey, towards a journey yeah. of somewhere I want to get to? It's this idea that, I mean, I love NLP. I think it's a really powerful tool. And I think sometimes, you know, with the, uh, all the books that came out around the secret, the laws of attraction, all of this stuff, that there was this move where this idea of affirmations of using language to reprogram yourself was actually mindless. And I kind of want to address that because Mm -hmm. I know from doing the work with you that it's not actually mindless, Mm. that it is, it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? That it's not coming from this arbitrary place that you leap from nowhere to all your dreams coming true, which just doesn't happen. No, no, it's a, it's a journey. Yeah. Uh, 
And I, I think it, when, when you think about people starting a business, they often look at, you know, Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos and they yeah. see this multi squillion dollar business and they don't think back to there was a day when each one of those guys started the company on first day. Mm. Um, and they, most of us don't know the struggles that they went through at the initial phases. And OK, they, you can say that they were in the right place at the right time and all of that. But a lot of the time we don't think about the journey because it's, you know, it's 30, 40 years since Apple started. Um, and OK, now they're this enormous company. So no matter where we are, that's, that's where we are. And the only thing we can do is take the next step. Yeah. We're not able to do the giant leap much and all as we'd want to. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's a limiting belief on my part. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, again, you, you shared something with me when we had the intercall, which was you're often asked, how long will this take? And mm. your response is, you will decide. That's right. Because some, some people are good at change. They like change. And they can, you know, make a change in themselves, in their thinking, in the way they behave and what they do in the blink of an eye. They can do it, you know, you make a suggestion to them and boom, off they go. Um, mm. And there's other people who find change a challenge and are kind of kicking and screaming all the way. And a bit like what you mentioned earlier on about the head, the, the logical part and, yeah. you know, your, your heart and your gut. Um, they all have to communicate together. And I was thinking it's sort of a bit like an orchestra. If you've, you're, you're more than just your thoughts. You're mm. more than what you say to yourself. You're more than how you feel. And, and so what we want to do is get all of these different parts of ourselves in agreement mm. and playing the same tune so that we're in, so that we're in harmony. Mm. And then it's easy to take the next step or the next five steps. Whereas if there's disharmony and discord and you're fighting with yourself all of the way, it'll be one step forwards and two steps back and you'll be saying to yourself all the time, oh, this is terrible and I'm stupid and duh, instead of just looking at where you are now, what's the next step I can take? And is it then, it is about rewriting that program? I don't know which program you're talking about. Whatever the program is that's stopping you to have what you want. That's right. Yeah. And part of it is looking at that program to explore how you do it. How are you creating this program for yourself? So is it, is it what you do? Is it what you believe you can do? Is it what's important to you? Is it the sort of person you think you are? Um, so making distinctions between the different parts, uh, a bit like in marketing. Mm. When you're marketing, you, you decide you're going to ha go for a specific person your avatar or whatever. And so you will 
choose specific aspects of your offering to aim it at that particular person, that particular type of person, that particular problem, whatever it is. Yeah. And it's by dissecting that you decide. And that's one of the really big things I feel with NLP is that it, it is focused on creating distinctions so that you can find out specifically if you have, if you're, because one of the things we talked about the other day was anxious, being anxious. And mm. how do you create that for yourself? Is it a big, black, horrible picture that you have in your head? Is it a feeling in the pit of your stomach? Which direction does it move in the pit of your stomach? Um, if you were to turn up the light on your picture and make it smaller or bigger, how does that change your feel of, feeling of anxiety? And it, so, and then there's all the distinctions within the language. Um, are, are, are you saying to yourself, I'm always anxious? Mm. <laughs> because I was down in Kinsale the other day and there was this picture in an art gallery, well, art gallery, and it was a picture of the island of Ireland. Yeah. And in the western, southwestern part of Ireland, there was this big red part which said cork. Mm. And the rest of it said, not cork. <laughs> <laughs> it so fits. <laughs> and so, you know, what you want to do is look at not anxiety. Yeah. What's not anxiety? Because that kind of opens up a pile of possibilities but also yeah. to notice that when you say, I'm always anxious, that actually, when are you not anxious? Yeah. And when you're not anxious, what are you? Are you confident? Are you brave? Are you courageous? Are you happy? You know, what is it? What, what alternative emotion is there? And how can you turn up the volume on that yeah. so that the anxiety can decrease? And I, and I love also that while it's called neuro-linguistic program, it doesn't settle just in the brain and how we think. No. It's going to every part of your body to see where, where do the feelings lie so yeah. that you're, because embodiment for me is an interesting phrase at the moment um, in my work with clients, because it's how do you take it out of that brain and embody it so you actually feel it and walk in the shoes of this state that you want to be in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and how can you zoom yourself out to get into that future body to experience what it's like, to get that feeling of what it's like to be whatever it is they're looking for? Am I misunderstanding you? No, you're correct. I'm just listening intently, Julie. <laughs> and um, there's a piece in NLP that uh, that really um, moved me or struck me when we were studying. And it was this whole idea of timeline therapy. Can you share with people what that is, please? Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've been thinking about that since as well. And, and a bit like what I was saying about anxiety, because the interesting thing about anxiety is it's a future-based problem. Yes. It's something that you're projecting out into the future. So you're bringing a past fear, something that you have experienced in the past, and you're imagining it happening out there in the future. 
Yes. And so it's not real. So it's it's not well it's it's purely your imagination. Yes. Which I think is fantastic. Because if your imagination can create that for you mm. by looking at that film, if you like, yeah. it means that you can imagine the result you want. Yeah. Because you have that ability to imagine very vividly because you've just proved it by yes. doing anxiety. So if you have the power to imagine the black cloud of anxiety, mm -hmm. you have the power to imagine the freedom of a white fluffy cloud or whatever your yeah. interpretation is. Yeah. You have the freedom to imagine the opposite. Yeah. And when I think about the timeline, I think about it like uh, a roll of old fashioned film that you get in a camera. Yeah. And you have all these little individual pictures of various incidents that happened in your life. Mm. And some of them beautiful, wonderful, fabulous. Some of them not so. Because, I mean, yeah. that's life. It, yeah. You know, if, if, if it was sunny all the time, you'd never appreciate it because oh, another sunny day, you know, big thrill. But yeah. it's the rainy days that make you appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you, were, if you were to lay out that strip of film on the ground and hop on board that Chinese balloon <laughs> that was 60,000 feet up in the air, Mm. And you look down at one of those incidents in your life where you had a, an emotion that wasn't supporting you. If you were mm. hugely way off up there, way, way up there in the, in the air, looking down at it, you would be separated for the, from the emotion. You'd yeah. be leaving it behind, yeah. disconnecting from it. And so when you disconnect from the emotion, you can look at it, look at the situation dispassionately. And, and see alternatives, alternative responses that you could have had to that situation um, that you didn't notice at the time because you were down in your little black hole of emotion. Mm. Because mm. when emotion sweeps over us, it, a bit like me rushing off to Finland in my bubble of love. <laughs> it's okay, it works. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> but when that emo when they if it's a negative emotion, it's an emotion you're not you don't want. And um, mm. when that sweeps over, you're just sort of you know like what they talk about the red mist. Um, mm. You just don't see anything else. Whereas when you're up there floating around on top of your lovely big white fluffy balloon <laughs> that the Chinese mm. sent floating around the place, um, mm. you can look down at it and and see such a big set of possibilities that you hadn't noticed at the time. And then you can choose an alternative way to respond that would have let, led to a whole lot of different outcomes mm. because it's a chain reaction. And, and this is sort of one of the things as well about um, systems thinking, because I always think systems thinking and NLP is very, very similar because mm. it's about one thing and the chain reaction that occurs because of that. Yeah. And knowing that you can change the chain along the way. And when you're up in the air looking down on that dark thing that happened, mm. what can happen? Is it that you can see a different way of looking at that? How does that help you? The goal is to get the learning from that situation. Yeah. 
so that if that were situation were to occur again, you would have resources to enable you to respond differently. So you don't stay in the pain, you get the learning. Yeah. So you, you're way above it. So you're mm. out of the pain. And if the person isn't out of the pain, you just keep getting them to go higher and higher and higher until they leave that yeah. pain behind. Because when the pain yeah. is there, it's hard to think. Yeah. So it's about disconnecting the pain. Yeah. Because when bad things happen to us, we can keep it with us so that we're constantly reliving it. That's Whereas something right. like this, by breaking the connection, means that we actually get the learning. That's right. And, and one of the things about um, timeline therapy is when, when using it, we go back to the very first experience. So we're talking about the big emotions, anger, sadness, fear, hurt and guilt. Mm. Uh, and so we go, we choose whatever one it is. If, so if we're talking, if we so if, if, for example, it's fear, because um, we, we want to deal with only one at a time, because yeah. each are different. You experience okay. each differently in the body. Each have a different amount of energy in them. Mm. Um, so we want to explore just one at a time. And I would ask you to go back to the very first time you experienced fear. The very mm. first time that you don't remember consciously. Because what we're looking for is your unconscious memory. Because all change occurs unconsciously. Because while you're mm. thinking it, you haven't made the change. While okay. you're conscious of it, you haven't made the change. So we want you to be back in an unconscious place. How does that manifest when you're working with a client? If you want them to go back to unconscious, are they verbalizing it? Are they feeling it first? What are they doing? Um, yes. Um, <laughs> well, the goal, the, again, again, <laughs> It's like a whole course in timeline therapy. <laughs> Again, the whole goal of timeline therapy is to support somebody in letting go of an emotion. Well, negative emotions are decisions in from their past that haven't supported them, that aren't supporting them now. Um, so um, the goal is to be able to support the person to move back in time without the emotion present. So we keep getting them to go higher and higher all the time so that they are free of the emotion. Yeah. We do get to dip down into this, into the scenario just to check that we're in the right place yeah. and then right back up again and then to be for it. So this actually is utilizing some of the concepts from quantum physics because it acts like antimatter. Yeah. When you get back before the first, the very first time it ever happened. Yeah. But it's quite surprising the things people say. The other thing is that when when you go floating around up there above your timeline, um, it is a trance-like experience. So mm -hmm. it's very relaxing. It feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, because my my belief is that it's not useful to keep explore to keep looking at your fear for example, because each time you look at it with the emotion present, you kind of get better at it because the more you do something, the better you get at it. And the other yeah. thing is you're, you think you're going back to a time you experienced, for example, fear, 
But actually, every time you go back there, you're a different person mm. because you've had more experiences, you've learned more. You've, so each time you go back there, you actually change it. And it may be that you're reinforcing it. So really what we want to do is go back way before it so that we can just let it go. Yeah, that's, that's the lesson. Mm. Going back far enough. And without the emotion. Without the emotion. And then you become free of it. Yeah, it's so powerful. I learned so much. Mm. And, and as I said, I did that with you in 2007 and I still use it every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember because you, ne you mentioned that to me, I did it. I did that course for myself because I had been in a long-term relationship, which was not constructive and mm. I had left that relationship and I wanted to help myself. So it was for myself. And I remember you saying in our, uh, our call that it was interesting that I chose to do it for myself first. It's, do you want to talk about that, please? Yeah, well, well, if you're studying something like NLP and you do it for yourself, then mm. you commit to the process and the processes. And so you get the full experience. You give yourself permission to get the full experiences. Mm. Whereas if you go into it to use it with other people, I say with intentionally mm. because not on other people, <laughs> yeah. but with other people, because it has to be with their permission, um, then you're, you're kind of, you're dissociating yourself from it. You're you're, it's a bit like you're up in that balloon looking at the you down there doing it. Mm. And so you're not getting the, the embodied experience. Mm. And without that embodied experience, it's very hard to really appreciate the power of it and how, how effective it is. I say power in the most positive way. Yeah. No, there's so many threads to it. I, I could talk to you for another hour and we would still just be touching, touching, getting to the tip of it. Mm. What I'd love to ask you now is, I suppose, what would you like to leave people with? Oh, um, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the one because I was thinking about this and I was thinking when you imagine an acorn. Yeah. An acorn is a teeny weeny little thing. Yeah. And but inside in that acorn is a majestic oak tree. Mm. And maybe I'm thinking about this because just recently there was a big hullabaloo here close to where I live about a big beech tree that was about to be cut down, but now isn't mm. saved and all that sort of stuff. Um, but anyway, I w it reminded me of the, the acorn and the, the ma majesticness of, of a fully grown huge oak tree. Mm. And when you think about a human being, they have all of the potential within them to be truly magnificent. Mm. And no matter who you are, because we all put boundaries on ourselves by thinking 
this is who I am. I'm a physiotherapist or I'm a coaching psychologist or I'm an NLP trainer, whatever I am. But actually, that's only a small part of who I am because I'm, I'm more than that. Mm. And when you allow yourself to say, to, to see and to experience that, yes, and to notice that, yes, I'm more than that. And then say to yourself and whoever you think you are, you're more than that. Mm. And to keep going because you are more than that. And as you notice the moreness of you, <laughs> the more you can tap into your magnificent potential. I don't know if that all sounds a bit too out there, but. No, it sounds fantastic because I'm getting this message that every person yes. has that fantastic potential, that moreness, that magnificent oak tree. Mm. And that we have choice. And that we have choice. Yeah. You know, you can take your foot off the brake and go forwards. Yeah. Fantastic, Julie. Thank you so much. This has been great. We never even got to, we never even got out of Finland. <laughs> well, you might have to come back, Julie. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Julie, check her out on thesuccesspartners.com. She's also shared two freebies with us for the podcast. One is her grow model and the other is her confidence bank. Check them out in the links below. And if you'd like to support the show, please leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and reach out and let me know your takeaways from this episode. What would you like to know more about? Send me a message and I'll be back next week with another guest. And until then, take care.